Hello everybody and welcome to the Premier League Nightclub Podcast. My name is Damon and with me as usual I have Sam and Woody boys. It has been a massive week of Premier League action. Yeah, it's good to be back, you know, watching the games again. We had a week off for the stupid international duty, but it was good to have the Premier League back on the TV. Mate, I'm so excited to kick straight back into it. We saw some ripper games on the weekend, plenty of goals scored and plenty of teams faulting. Massive ramifications it was all around the more place. goals conceded that were more interesting than goals scored, I thought. Massive. <laughs> Massive. <laughs> so, Damon, uh, enough of that. What do we got on uh, for this episode, mate? Yeah, well, Sam, we've got a lot on for today, as usual, but we'll definitely be going into that Arsenal-Watford game. We're talking about defensively how bad Arsenal were. Then we'll move on to the massive Norwich City-Man City game. Uh, and then moving to Wolves-Chelsea, where Wolves looked really poor and Chelsea looked very, very good. Then, of course, winners and losers. Honour offsides back again. And I think we have another Woody's Whip. Is that correct, Woody? Sure is, mate. Good chat. Woo! Heading into the weekly results, boys. Uh, let's kick it off. So Liverpool started off the week beating Newcastle 3-1. Bournemouth beat Everton 3-1. City lost, shockingly, to Norwich 3-2 away. Up, up the Canaries. <laughs> <laughs> Chelsea down Wolf, uh, Wolves 5-2. Spurs cleaned the floor with Palace 4-0. Sheffield lost to Southampton 1-0. United won against Leicester 1-0. Brighton Woo! drew Absolutely. even. <laughs> Brighton drew even with Burnley 1-all. Watford came back from 2-0 down to uh, draw with Arsenal 2-all. And Villa-West Ham capped off the week with a boring-as-nil-all draw. Alrighty, are we happy just to get stuck straight into that uh, Watford-Arsenal game? Let's, let's do it. Alright. Anyone catch it? Sure uh, did. I actually did. Alright, give us your, give us your uh, insights. So... I think it's safe to say that Arsenal's defence is a joke at the moment. Um, Especially in that second half. So And, yeah, they've conceded a total last week of 31 shots against a team that hasn't won a game yet, which is just deplorable for what is a big six club. But I wanted to talk more about Watford instead and how good they were to go 2-0 down and fight their way back in what was a quite an open sort of played game. What was the difference in that second half? Like I feel as if... Their big players sort of stood up for a change. We yeah, had, we spoke about that last week. We spoke we? about that last week. I mentioned Delafayu last week. He turned up and had a huge game. He, came, he created eight chances, had seven shots, uh, had seven take-ons that he that he won. He was just huge. Eight the, chances was ridiculous. Like, there'd be attacking players in the league who wouldn't have racked that up yet for the season. Yeah, but, he was unbelievable. And to cap it off with an assist as well, it was really good to see from him. I, I don't know about you guys, but considering we all watched the game, I don't know if you noticed, but... In the second half, Watford definitely looked like a different team. They came out raring, ready to win, and ready to sort of chop Arsenal's head off, really. They, they came and, and pushed and pushed and pushed and like had left nothing on the table at all. I think they were aided a little bit by Emery's substitutions, taking the likes of uh, Ceballos and... Ganduzi off. I thought it was really interesting decision. I, I, I mean, I'm no manager, but surely it makes more sense to stock up that midfield than like I'm happy for uh, Emery to put another midfielder on. But perhaps Ozil it, came on, didn't he? Uh, Ozil started. Ozil started. Sorry, that's all right. Can we just put out there Ganduzi's two one to the Watford fans oh. when he was coming on, mate? 
you'd have to say, as an Arsenal fan, as soon as you see him do that on the TV or at the game, you just put your head down. You would have like, known. Oh, you no. would have known. You would have known. They would have scored a second goal. It would have ended a draw. And it's like, what what sort of attitude is that? It's like you weren't even in control of the game. If at any point it looked like they were going to lucky, yeah, lucky to get a draw at that point, which they were in you the end. You feel as if it's almost a bit of frustration from Ginduzi. He was coming. He was he was taken off. He was probably getting a bit of whip from the home fans, and he just wanted to. It was a bit of a rush of blood. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, and he's, he's had a good few yeah. weeks, so maybe. I mean, he's I had him in comp- my team of the yeah. Um, I guess during the game, though, Watford did uh, frequently dispossess Arsenal in both midfield and defence, and they did try their luck from various distances, as we saw during the game. You know, they, they took their shots when they could. Yeah, Watford um, posted every single one of their shots on Twitter as a piece of banter. How funny Yeah, is well, that? I think Arsenal deserved that, especially <laughs> after that bit of Genduzi blow-up as well, when he jumped into the back of Decore, I, I think. I think might, that uh, might be the one. Yeah, it might have been Decore. Um, yeah, mate. I could not. I just could not believe it for what for what Arsenal were putting up. Finger doozy to do that on the sideline, mate. Real serious, strange, areas. serious mistakes. Serious mistakes. But he's got a bit of bite about him. I guess that's pretty good. It's what you want to see in the Premier League. But yeah, speaking of mistakes, I've got a bit of an interesting one about Arsenal with their errors leading to goals since oh, the yeah? start of the eighteen go. nineteen season. So, did you guys know that since the start of the season, Arsenal? Have made fourteen errors leading to directly to a goal. The the most in the competition, and the next closest is twelve from Fulham, and then Southampton, Bournemouth with eleven, and then Huddersfield down the bottom. That is just if that's not alarm bells, then I don't know what is. What is what is going on with their defence? It's just it probably has a little bit to do with Emery's style. That you know naturally teams these days more want to pass out the back than they used to. And at the end of the day, it could just be, I think it's a bit of a simple um, case of Socrates just can't pass the ball as well as, you know, even a John Stones from Man City, which we'll get into a little bit later. But it's just the point I'm trying to make that you look at City's defense. You even look at like Harry Maguire, United, Christensen from Chelsea. They all can pass out the back. And I think Arsenal just haven't yeah, I guess David Luiz sort of brought in, even though a bit of a bargain, eight million pounds. Um, he, he was brought in to play out of the back, and that's Emery's style. He wants the ball to start and build from the back, and you build up towards yeah. the front attacking third. But you know what? I think it sort of shines a bit of a light while they can get him for such a small price because eight million bucks, realistically, is chips in the defender market and. Oh, it's he a can't good defend buy. at all. It's 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 sorry, it's not a good buy, but I think for the price you can understand. I understand, but he would have been brought in to be that ball playing centre back, and yeah. I think his defensive capabilities are really shining through in a team that's maybe not as well structured as the Chelsea teams he has played in in the past. Yeah, I'd really like Emery to try his three at the back, which he hasn't been afraid to in previous seasons. So why not try it now, where you know the likes of David Luiz perform the best. Well, when they're know, protected in a back three. Well, three four three seems to be the championship winning team in the last uh, formation in the last few years, doesn't it, Damo? Yeah, you're not wrong. And I also um, just wanted to quickly touch on their attacking play a little bit more, uh, only because we can talk all day about Arsenal's defence, but it does deserve, especially Aubameyang, deserves a little bit of credit here. I mean, since he signed for Arsenal, he's scored the second most amount of goals uh, in the league behind. No, none other than Aguero, of course. But uh, you hear what he heard, uh, hear what he said after the game about how he feels like the team are literally giving away goals, and so you feel for him a little bit, especially when you look at Pepe. And I know Lacazette's out for an extended period of time now, but you've Arsenal for the first time 
in so long they've invested and there's no more Shamax and Bentners and stuff. They've got quality up front <laughs> and they're just wasting it by throwing away great opportunities. Like if Arsenal win on the weekend, I think they're second. Yeah. And, uh, mm. and it's considering they've already played a big six club, it's just it's such a great position they could have been in, but they just continue to let themselves down. Mate, they had so much hype coming into the season um, in the transfer window with, with bringing in Nicolas Pepe, who... Who played really well, actually? Um, put on put on a good game, um, but then as well they brought in Louise defense, uh, sure up the defensive Scott stocks and have a ball playing centre back and also Kieran Tierney as well. David Louise looks like a hole in defence. <laughs> Tierney hasn't even played, and Pepe has what played three out of five games one so far, assist, just and he's one got assist. one assist so far. So. I- you know, the hype going into season, it seems like a bit of deja vu for Arsenal fans, hopefully. I, I know doesn't... we talk about them a lot on the on the show, but it's probably worth a mention that Bellerin and Tierney will be back for October. And I think like if, if Arsenal can show some maturity for the first time in a long time and grind out results for the rest of this month and get those fullbacks back, then they've actually at least got a platform and not playing as much catcher in October mm. and, and furthermore. So it's just like... Uh, you know, here's an, here's a chance, Arsenal, to actually you know show some character and try and get as many points as you can and win those games that you might not necessarily deserve to. Well, we know Aubameyang is definitely going to do it. He you know he scored um, with seven of his last nine shots in the league, um, including each of his last four and two against Watford today. Yeah, they, ha- they have the weekend, the, yeah. they're, they're, to do it. Their front half game is good. Yeah, I don't, I don't think anyone's questioning that. It's more their back half. If you if you look at Xhaka and behind and behind, yeah, exactly, it's, it's, it's yeah. shambles. Yeah, it falls off a cliff, which is really annoying if you're an Arsenal supporter because, as you just said, you've got this fantastic front three and now good sort of attacking midfielders in. What Gunduzi's looking to be good, yeah, and Sabellos was looking to also be a good find. Their back half is just needs to just pull the weight. And a I think bit. I think also when your defense is that poor or you've got pe- players letting you down, we spoke about a few weeks ago how uh, Suzuko uh, had to pretty much play as a right back for Sanchez for Tottenham against against them. Actually, I think it was. Um, you sort of look at. Like once one or two let you down in that defensive in those defensive areas, everybody else's form and ability to play the ball dips because they suddenly have to cover for each other. They have less confidence yeah, in less their com- teammates. So as I think you were talking about this even with Man United and Pogba a few mm. weeks ago, how you were saying that Pogba was scared to sort of play the balls that he would want to play because he didn't trust those around him. I exactly. think you're seeing a bit like that with Arsenal at the moment. It's only it? natural, yeah. But like yeah. once they get hopefully It'll be a mental thing when they get those players back in Tierney and uh, uh, someone help me out here, whoever, uh, Bellerin on the, yeah, yeah, as the fullback, like I said earlier, I think hopefully they'll get some um, confidence from that. And I think October could be a big month for him. Anyway, I do want to move on to the big, big, big results from the weekend. Norwich versus Man City. The Pookie party wasn't over. We thought it was done, but it's still going. (laughs) Oh my days. Oh my days. All right. Where do we start with this one? Because... There is just so much we can talk about. Mate, well, first up, the Canaries were missing eight players. They, eight players. They were playing their defensive midfield at centre-back, and he got <laughs> man of the match. Unbelievable scenes. Like, we're all talking about Laporte uh, is out for City, and that's their excuse. What about the Canaries? They've just gone and beat the Champions 3-2 with half a team. <laughs> Mate, not even half a team. Literally a quarter of a team. It was ridiculous. Where does it stop for the Canaries? How far can they go? Less than 2.0. Less than 2.0. I, mean, I, I think I said that in round two or something. He's Pookie well, the next party? 
I think Pookie They beat Newcastle, be. didn't they? That's their other win. Yeah. Yeah. But so let's not get ahead of themselves. But what a performance. I'm what a performance. Mate, Pookie, Golden Boot, Ballon d'Or, sign him up. It's over. Mate, they oh. were unbelievable. They really were. Anyway, we know we know City when they come out, they've got their set style, they know their play. Dominate possession. However, this game against Norwich, they looked extremely open and vulnerable at the back. They conceded three goals, easily could have been five. Easily could have been five. They were peppered at the goals. 2-0 down as well. You don't see that often from City. It's the first time they've gone 2-0 down in like three years. And yeah, I think when Vardy, Vardy scored a hat-trick yeah. at the King Power. I remember that one. But yeah, um, I think big credit to um, Cantwell. And I'm going to need some help with the pronunciation of my other man at the match. Bundia. 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 He, he was phenomenal. Cantwell and Bundia were shredding that City defence to pieces. And I just want to quickly go into City, as what you said, we know how City come out. And their full-backs, in this case, it was Zivchenko and uh, Walker. Kyle Walker, yep. Walker. Zivchenko was average. Yeah, he was. They, Him and Walker were quite poor. But even then, their games rely on the style of play in that they sort of join the play as another pair of centre mids. So it really isolates the centre backs. Say, let's say last season when it was Laporte and company, that's a completely very, different dynamic. Yeah, exactly. But Stones and Osimendi, when they were isolated, they looked terrible. So maybe in the future, Pep's got to think about: uh, Do I need my fullbacks to not push up into that midfield as much? But as... But it's interesting you say that because Norwich do play a very similar game to Bournemouth, and we, we saw what City did to Bournemouth, putting three past them with ease. Mm. You know, they they tore them a new one as well, and. Norwich were not 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 that not to discredit Bournemouth, but Norwich were extremely um, defensively capable on the weekend and, and so good and so disciplined with the way they um, you know organised their defensive line and that you just didn't see City get the chances that they usually do and yeah. what we're used to seeing City um, tear tear apart defences we just didn't see that is it's, that is that because of a lack of Kevin De Bruyne though. Uh, yeah, that back, rotation policy goes back to the, your whip last week about the whole Belgium in the international duty. It's an interesting one, and it, has it has the has it bit another team? Look, I, I thought he I thought he could have played, but you wouldn't excuse Pep for for giving him the game off. Yeah, no, you would have. But my whole point of that is the international break again. Like yeah. it's cost another team. Yeah. yeah, but then also on the flip side of the coin. De Bruyne did have four assists and a goal. Was it four and assists and a goal in the Belgium game? Three assists. Three and assists and a goal. But who cares? It's like international. Yeah, but, <laughs> but form is form. It and is, I yeah. know I'm, I as as we did talk about last week, I'm against the international break so early on in the season. And fair to say, we, we sort of all are. Yeah. But, you know, if a player's in form, then you may as well play him. Like, KDB is probably the best best player in the league at the moment based yeah, on form one yeah. of the best player in the world in the moment and he came on in like the out, 60th minute he came 60, on the 66th minute yeah about the hour mark and like there's not there wasn't much he could do to be honest look at the end of the day like sometimes every team's even Man City have those days and Aguero missed like two or three headers that you'd expect him to score and just on like uh, Norwich playing like Bournemouth even Bournemouth, when they did play City, managed to have eight shots on target that day. So maybe we've found a little teams have found a little bit of a formula to uh, break down this Man City team, mate. It's really interesting you say that as well because it, you know we look at City and, and the powerhouse that they've been in the last three years, and you sort of can't see a chink in their weakness. But you know, five games into the season already, we're seeing City have a little bit of a crack in their armor. 
And, um, you know, eight of the last nine goals that City have conceded have actually come from set pieces yeah. with four of those being corners. And we saw Norwich, you know, use that to their asset on the, the weekend the as well. First one, yeah. yeah, the first one as well. So, you know, if they want to, if they really want to win their third title in a row, they're going to have to tighten up a lot. Well, and now they're playing catch up yeah, for the are. rest of the season, which yeah. is another point. Is this a case of us getting too far ahead of ourselves? Yeah, we are only five weeks in. But it's also just like one thing on the... It's not just us, though. That's the narrative around the Premier League. Yes, everyone loves a bit of drama. Yeah. But just on like quickly like trying to find something new to dominate the league with, sort of, Woody, I feel like that's where you were sort of going with it. You can't repeat the same game style because someone's eventually going to figure it out. But uh, (sighs) it's also just worth mentioning... um, You're right there, Sam? I'm good. Sorry. Been sick all week. That's all good. It's worth mentioning that City's best player on the weekend was Rodri. Uh, even if he didn't score that goal, he was outstanding on the on the uh, weekend. I think, I think you picked him uh, a bit early, Sam, but well, he did play well. Well, I was predicting the future. And it's he was pretty much the only one that could um, break up that Norwich counter-attack whenever they got possession. And I just thought, like, maybe it's a bit of a reflection on where City are at. Now, as I said, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but, like, it's not. it might not be a coincidence that the newest player in, in the uh, outfit is you know, the best performer uh, on that day. So I just think it might be a, a good option for City to think about some January signings. So, Damon, a question with that, uh, City's future. So with John St- John Stones now out for, we think, a minimum being a month. Yeah, cheers. That <laughs> happened this morning. What, what can we expect to see from City in the upcoming weeks in terms of their formation and their new play style that they might have to adapt? Well... I think the obvious choice, and it was even sp- spoken about before the Norwich game, is putting Fernandinho in that centre-back role. And it looked alongside Otamendi, and I think that probably might be the way Pep goes. He said, he knows Fernandinho. I'm he sure trusts. that's the only way they can go. Yeah, because the otherwise they have to look at their teenagers, who I, I, history suggests that Pep isn't a big fan of putting in these sort of players. Like, he has played youth in the past. Like Foden. Yeah. But, but even then, I think that defense, yeah. like... He Phil. must need Phil. Phil. incredible. Phil. Can you guys please? <laughs> no, right. You're, you're definitely right, Damo. I think if you look at City's teenagers, we've got, we've got Taylor Harwood Bellis, who's 17, yet to be capped, and Eric Garcia, who's 18. Just babies, really. Yeah, and Garcia's only played three cup games, Carabao Cup games. But I think in terms of style of the play, and, and I might be wrong here, you know, we'll see in the coming weeks, but. I think we can expect pretty much the same sort of thing from City. Because I don't know if you guys remember when um, Pep was at Barca, he had a similar sort of injury crisis with his centre-backs. Yeah. And he, oh, moved, yes. he moved Javier Mascherano he back did there. too. And that was a great success as well. And I'm pretty sure that was the year that they won the Champions League. Yes, I think so. Yeah. So, um, you know, he moved uh, Mascherano from midfield to the centre-back position. Um, Found Busquets. Yeah. Sort of time as well. Exactly. So you know we can we can probably be confident that Fernandinho will fill the role that Pep has created in the past for that defensive midfielder moving back. Probably just makes set pieces a little bit more of tempting for opposition teams as well now. Yeah, one hundred percent. Going to be such a smaller team with Fernandinho at centre back. But, but then also Rodri, clearly he's going to have a lot more time in the middle, and I think we we pointed to it early on in the season as well that Rodri may be one of if not the best signing of the season in the Premier League. Agreed. That's why he's in my team of the month. 
Yeah, but you can't pick a team of the month depending on what you can expect from them. <laughs> a bit like my loser uh, of the season being Everton. I should have done that this week, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, I think you, bo- you both screwed up there. Went, went away too early. Um, but, you know, I've, yeah. I've, it's not all bad for City. It's not all bad for City. No, of course it's not. They're still second. Yeah, and they've got a bloke called Sergio Aguero up front. Who, who has actually scored... Seven goals from his seven shots on target this year. Elite from you, Sammy. Only the third player in Premier League history to have scored in each of the opening five games of the season. And uh, boys, who were the last? Who were the only other two to do it? Today, what was the question? Who Uh, are the last? I'll say was up, but I don't know the other one. Yes, one was Wayne Rooney, and the other one was Reyes from. Arsenal. Oh, true. RIP. I was going to say RVP, mm. but you know. No, I think he got close. He got close, but he wasn't able to do it. Anyway, are we boys happy to move on to the next game? The young Chelsea Blues up against the Tammy Abraham special. It was. Oh, I'm loving these Blues boys. <laughs> I'm absolutely loving them. And uh, you know, if you're following our socials, you'll know that we're loving them as well. <laughs> yeah, last two <laughs> posts have been all about them. Exactly. Um, so. The Wolves made 10 changes to their starting lineup in their first five Premier League games. Last season actually took them 16 matches to make as many changes in the competition. So, so you use that as an excuse, but Chelsea are the only team to have made more changes to their team this year, and they've just put five past them. So I, don't, I just, I'm not, I'm not bought into this whole can't make too many changes. Anyway, sorry, just got triggered. Go on, Woody. <laughs> oh, oh, well, no. Damon, I'm actually gonna, I'm gonna hit back at you there. All I'd right. say that it's not the changes that have won Chelsea this game. It's actually the change of formation from Franco Lampard. He has he has produced a little bit of a special hit back at um, Mourinho tactics and also Conte tactics with the three four three that we did mention a couple of minutes ago. Yes, the new championship winning uh, formation. We we would say here in the studio. Yeah, 100% agree there. Uh, it allowed Mount and Willian to get inside in really dangerous areas inside the box, which is good because Willian's been stuck out wide a bit recently, which also meant that Marcus Alonso was able to come up a bit and play a sort of left-wing back role. Yeah, same with uh, Asbel Equator, I think, was playing out in the right as well. Yeah, on that right-hand side. I think one thing about this um, Lampard 3-4-3 is that it really allows Mount and... Um, sorry, Mount and William, as you said, so I mean, to sort of have the freedom to drift out and also drift in behind Abraham um, because that freedom will allow, well, as we saw on the weekend, uh, allows the striker to be fed and a good striker at that um, will, will give him plenty of um, plenty of space in the box. And the 3-4-3 naturally, in Lampard's game, as it's a pressing 3-4-3, stretched the whole field. So... Chelsea being the quality that they have on the ball in Giorgino, who was controlling the game. He's been really good this season, he hasn't has he? Been. Yeah. And he got his first assist, actually, after like 3,400 passes. <laughs> so, um, you know, he, he finally got a bit of credit that was deserved. But, you know, with Giorgino controlling Kovacic, holding the fort as well, you know, th- they were able to that control the ball and yeah, I think control it's, their it's possession worth, moving it, up. It's worth mentioning, like we talked about a lot uh, about Chelsea's defence with Zuma and stuff. Of course, Zuma didn't play on the weekend. But just with that change of system, they actually, uh, either side, yes, but there actually wasn't a shot on target until the 31st minute. And it's just like a reflection of how stable Chelsea were. I know they ended up conceding two goals, but it was when the game was over pretty much. So it just like, uh, for the first time all season, Chelsea looked really like, not only did they have control of the ball, but also they they didn't look as vulnerable when they not when without the ball, I should say. So I thought that was a really uh, 
another positive from a positive Chelsea. And game. it helps having a good striker, doesn't it, Woody? Tammy Abraham. <laughs> boy, oh boy, boys. I am frothing this bloke at the moment. I am all about him, all about Chelsea. <laughs> Um, as you can see on our socials. But, gee whiz, he was man of the match with three goals and also an own goal. So, technically, he scored four goals for the weekend. <laughs> Being the first player ever in Premier League to score a hat-trick and also an own goal. Fun fact. And also the youngest player in Premier League history to, to score a hat-trick at 21 years and 347 days. It's pretty crazy, eh? But I think it's, I think it's good that Chelsea finally have a reliable strike. I know we're only five games in, but... Mate, he's three goals off Rashford's best ever season. And he's uh, <laughs> he's leading the uh, golden boot along with big Sergio Aguero. Big yeah. Serge. But, you know... Is that true? Rashford's best season is 10 goals. 10 goals. Yeah. But it's, yeah. That's fascinating. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah, expecting something else there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Giroud last season, I mean, we talked to him about him when Dame was away, actually, that he he the max he could offer was 15 goals a season. Absolute best case scenario. Best case scenario. Right but if you look at his last season, 27 league appearances, two goals, four assists. And I understand we know you played a different role. He's more of a hold-up sort of possession sort of striker. But at the end of the day, strikers are in the team to score goals. And Higuain as well also came. That was a bit of a flop, bit of a foul house sort of situation. Um, had five goals in four, his 14 league appearances. But fun fact... Three of them came against relegated teams, and all five were against bottom nine teams. Yeah, I th- I, he didn't really play for Chelsea. He played for Sarri. That was yeah, that exactly. was sort of just a small little gig he had for a half a season or whatever it was. So. so I'm definitely looking forward to see what Tammy has for the rest of the season because we know of his output last season for Villa in the championship. Um, he did produce 26 goals, which was crazy, I think. Three assists as well. So, uh, yeah, moving on, fellas. Uh, Chelsea have actually become the first team in Premier League history to have 11 consecutive goals scored by players aged 21 or younger. And we know every one of their goals... That's so unlike Chelsea before this season. I know, I know. Of all teams. That that preach the international transfer. Yeah. Um, But every goal they have scored, seven from Tammy, three from Mount... And one from um, Tamori. It's the youth, mate. They're all youth. It's They're all youth. It is so great to and see. I remember that. we were saying at the start of the season because we it was we were so unsure about where Chelsea would go this year because of their transfer ban. We said that it could go one of two ways. It could go an absolute disaster with the youth, like really struggling to to sort of breathe above water in in such a big league. But we also thought that it could go this way, and their youth would get great experience that they wouldn't normally have. And as we've seen, it's paying absolute dividends, and you can see it putting them in this fantastic shape going forward into the future. Yeah, well, it's it's also worth mentioning that they, they are going to have off days. They're not going to put five uh, five past the team every but week. It's also good that no one's expecting them to do. Yeah, that. so like we, they they coughed up a really good lead against Sheffield last uh, like just before the international break, and so have Arsenal this week. But we absolutely you know hammer into Arsenal for it because. We expect better. Exactly. But when we look at Chelsea, it's like they're a young team uh, and we say they're going to have one of those days. They come back after the international break and absolutely destroy Wolves. And it's, so, I find it similar, interesting how we look at Chelsea, who have a very young team, and United, who for all reports still have a young team, yet the criticism is so much harsher on the likes of your Rashfords. Although Lingard's not even young. I just keep thinking he's young for some reason. <laughs> he's just not. But yeah, like, they're the same age, mate. But if you look about how long the Chelsea youngsters have spent in the league, they've all just come back from loan. Yeah, that's true. Which yeah. was something we will talk about. But 
Um, Damon? It's, a, it's not all sunshine and rainbows for Chelsea. After some midweek Champions League uh, action, Mason Mount, who's probably been one of their star players this season, is copped a, a rude injury, to be honest. And he looks set to be out for... You know, at least this week. From no other than Arsenal ex superstar <laughs> Francis Coquelin. Coquelin. Just absolutely like, it was so weird. Like, Woody, you said to me before we got here, like, that you had to watch like three or four times to see what even yeah, happened. Man, I, I, all this, everything I was reading was saying he's challenged, but then I kept watching and I was like, no, he's actually done a pass and just sort of. He's just followed through. Yeah. And he copped a yellow card for it as well, and so many people are calling for a red, which is just ridiculous because it was a pass. It <laughs> yeah. was a pass. But um, yeah, that, it'll be interesting to see who comes into that role. I mean, Pul- Pulisic hasn't had too many minutes, but I, personally, I thought he looked really good whenever he has played. I thought he was absolutely outstanding in that uh, game against Liverpool in the um, Super Cup. So that'll um, be interesting to see if he comes in, plays more of a role. Pedro's, of course, another option, but he's a little bit older, so it just depends if Lampard sticks with this youth policy or he might look for some more experience. I think with Willian already in the team and Willian, Willian pushing 30, might be 31, I'm not quite sure. Um, I, I don't think I can't see him going with Pedro. I think you would have to go with Pulisic. Even I think though, the fans want to see Pulisic as well. Mate, yeah. you'd, you'd want to. For, yeah. for someone who's had so much hype coming from the Bundesliga, playing for Dortmund. Quality player. Yeah, so. and and just, just being the only transfer, transfer that this sort of brought in with any success... Um, you know, they want to see him on the pitch. They want to see him playing, not in cups, in the league and in yeah. the Champions League as it well. Is, it is worth mentioning, though, that Lampard might look at their defensive ability as well. And I think Pedro offers a little bit more stability without the ball. But um, who knows? It just really depends which way Lampard wants to go. All right. Well, I think that was a pretty good summary of this week's big games. But I think it's time to move on. Winners and losers, Damon, start kick us off. Winners and losers. I've kicked it off with none other than Liverpool. They got a small scare against Newcastle on the weekend, but overall looked absolutely phenomenal yet again, scoring three goals, extending their unbeaten run at Anfield. They're now five points clear, and I think, again, they, they're a winner because of what's happened to Man City. Um, so, Sam, how about you? Well, we just spoke about it then, but my winner is Chelsea and their youth, essentially. So we spoke about it just before, how they've got... 11 goals this season, 7 from Tammy, 3 from Mount, and 1 from Tamori, which Woody just said. They're just The youth is looking so good, and I think it's a very uh, justifiable winner for the week, to be honest. Just quickly on that, Sammy, I know I can't really chirp into your winner for the week, but if you look at Chelsea's youth policy, they've got a whole host of young players out on loan. Now, if you look at these guys, Abraham was on loan for Villa last season, scored 26 goals. 26 goals in the championship, led their playoff run. It's a lot. Yep. Mount and Tamori were both on loan at Derby County. Tamori won their player of the season. So clearly Chelsea are doing something right and have something going for them as well, especially considering that Hudson-Odoi and Loftus-Cheek are waiting in the wings. As the uh, chemistry between Tamori, Mount and Lampard as well. It's interesting. What? Well, it didn't... Lampard coached yeah. Derby. Oh, yes, of course. Oh, yeah. Too- oh. yeah, 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 of course. Nice. Well, that helps. Good call, Good Sammy. Call, Sammy. <laughs> the English was wasn't ideal. It took me a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'll I keep off. I, I thought I messed that up with your look in your two Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Mate, you, you got it. Sorry to you. Mark that down, mate. That's not going to happen many times this season. <laughs> Woody, who's your winner? Uh, my winner this week is Bournemouth. So, tune in for the game, and the Cherries look potent offset pieces. Seamus Coleman got absolutely skinned alive that game. Everything was coming down his side, and he just... The overlap was killing him, right? 
Um, but they grabbed their second win of the season and jumped to ninth place. They dominated possession, defended well, netted three goals. Great performance all around from the Cherries. And Callum Wilson netted a double as well. So He's been really good this yeah, season. 83% shooting accuracy so far for this season. How good's that? And pretty impressive considering they fielded their youngest ever starting lineup in a Premier League match. So, Damo, who's your loser of the week? My loser is Aston Villa. I thought they had a really good chance to get a, a win, for uh, their second win for the season, again at home on Monday Night Football. Because when you look at um, West Ham, they were down to 10 men for almost a whole half. They had some really good chances. Credit to West Ham, to be fair, for keeping them out. And I just, but I, overall, I just thought that Villa crowd was screaming, screaming for for a goal. Especially what happened to them against Crystal Palace as well. They just really needed a win. So and the I think Captain Jack Grealish missed a sitter. Yeah, I think that they'd be Grealish. pretty frustrated that they didn't win that one. Sam, um, my loser of the week. Yep. Yeah, it is Newcastle. So despite an early goal from uh, Jetro Williams and show, showing off some of his crazy skills. They got absolutely pantsed by just a Liverpool that was too good. The only good thing they did was that Williams goal, as I just said, and that was their only shot on target where Liverpool (laughs) had a total of 21 shots with nine on target. And I know it was just a bit of a debacle for Newcastle. They They looked good for about 10 minutes. Well, yeah, and then they finished the game with 24% possession. That's ridiculous. The the woes just keep on flowing down at the Newcastle town. Nice. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> I'll jump into mine. My loser of the week is Wilfred Zaha. Bit of a weird one for you guys, but Palace played Tottenham and they got absolutely ass whooped 4 0 at Tottenham Stadium. And after failing to force a move away from Palace in the summer and being especially heavily linked with Tottenham, um, I saw this game as an audition for Zaha for the home fans at Tottenham Stadium. And if you want a team to spend 80 mil on you to bring you away from Palace, right, then you have to impress, especially in front of the home fans. Now, Zaha is yet to score or assist a goal this season. His attitude on the weekend, and I I, I watched it as well, it was so bad, so bad. He had no willingness to, to defend, and he didn't track Danny Rose at all, freeing up Tottenham's attack to spare man and left Ward to get skinned, absolutely skinned on the right back um, right back wing. So all in all, I don't think Spurs fan will, will be as eager to fork out 80 million or anywhere near it for Especially him. when Son just bagged two down it's the other. It's funny oh, how you say Zaha because remember at the start of the year we were like, oh, how do you think Zaha will go? Like we really rated him. Yeah, I think I said he was in. the best player yeah. in the league outside the and top you, six. And we, both, we had that discussion of will Zaha continue his form because he didn't make the transfer or will he drop off and we're seeing the latter. Yeah, I mean, because he tried really hard to push it out. I mean, he was linked with Everton. He was linked to with Juve. He was linked to teams in Spain. He was linked to Tottenham again. Just anyone bigger than Crystal Palace. Yeah, exactly. It was it was ri- ridiculous. But anyway, uh, moving on to on or offside. Now. On or offside. Here on we- or offside. <laughs> All right, Sam, one to you. Roberto Firmino is the most underrated player in the Premier League. Uh, I'm going to say onside for that one, Damon. What? No, Are you I, serious? I reckon it's a fair call because he's that good. Yeah, he came on, got two assists and absolutely dominated the game. So just because I know you two love your little stats, basically <laughs> what your your team of the month or whatever we did was last week were based off. It's just all pass assists. <laughs> 
So, all right, so he scored 50 goals in 142. Oh, so stats. you're just going straight into some, uh, some stats. Yeah, because you can't us the stats, and your first thing you say is his goal tally. I said, I said, I literally said, because you guys like stats so much, here's a stat for you. All right, go on. Get on with it. Get on with it. Get on with it, mate. So, 50 goals in 142 games for Liverpool, and was very instrumental to their Champions League team last year. Given that he doesn't score as much as Mane or Salah, it's normal for him not to get sort of the the importance or recognition that he gets. But I'll tell you one thing. He's one of many players in the Premier League at the moment that are underrated. However, I would put him above them because of the work he does outside of the stats. He's a really good defensive player for an attacker. He works hard like up and down the pitch, in my opinion, not knowing a hell of a lot about it, but you know. I like the way he plays, and that's why I'm going to say onside to that. Yep, fair call, Sam. Fair call, mate. Fair Cannot call. argue with that. All right, Woody. Man United had the week they wanted. Uh, well, actually, I'll go offside because I, I think it wasn't the week they wanted, but it was the week they needed. Because realistically, you don't want to you don't want to play a game and win one nil just off an eighth minute penalty. And they put it. At home as well. Exactly. You it wasn't. Oh, it wasn't very exciting. Was you, it? you want to be putting four or five passes at home realistically if, you, if, you, if you're asking for games that you want. But they definitely had the week that they needed. Um, so they beat Leicester, picked up, um, picked up the Foxes uh, to get something at Old Trafford. So as well as signing David De Gea for four more years, um, that was exactly what they need, especially going through a bit of a tough opening five rounds for the season. Um, yeah, again, not the week they sort of wanted in terms of results, but definitely something they needed to stabilise the ship. I think um, that clean sheet as well, that second clean sheet in many, many games, even if we go into last season. So, yeah, it was probably, you're right, Woody, it wasn't what they wanted. They definitely needed just what they got. Yeah, and with David De Gea signing a new, track, new contract, the fans and everyone in the back-end staff must be seriously happy that yeah. he's back. I mean, despite a poor, poor season and being dropped from the national team, he's, <laughs> yeah, he's despite one, all that, <laughs> he's one of the he's one of the best keepers in the world. He, he really is. Ninety two rated on FIFA last year. Ninety one. Ninety one. Oh, he's, he's down to eighty nine this year. So is he actually? Yeah. We'll all right, Damo. We'll talk more about that later. <laughs> Cheer that, Samuel. Uh, all right, Damon, to you. Honor offside, Pep Guardiola has a secret Twitter account. Onside this one, Woody. In the interview after the Norwich game, like Pep comes out with some real strange stuff. I mean, he'd blame global warming for a loss if he could at times. <laughs> but he even referred to like his first season at City, and he used the word fraudiola. Now, that's borderline a Twitter meme that people call him whenever Man City you know, lose or drop points. They say Fraudiola talking about, you know, how he can only perform when he spends uh, millions and millions. But I thought it was hilarious. And But it's just typical salty Guardiola, to be honest. But yeah, I'm pretty sure even the uh, reporters were just like, what are you talking about, mate? And Twitter knew what he was on about more than the actual uh, journos. Mate, he's a character and a half in the presser, isn't he? Yeah. All right, Sammy, to you, on our side, Barcelona and Real Madrid look set to strip the Premier League of its top quality yet again. Mm, I'm going to go on side. Just because of the recent reports surrounding the likes of Van Dyke, Kante, Pogba, and I think Ericsson as well. Yeah, that one won't go away. The Mate, Christian surely Ericsson. Van Dyke will not leave Liverpool. He can't. I don't. I don't want him to. But for three seasons. But could they really it's all two, be? They two, could. Two, they yeah. could all be playing in La Liga next year. But can uh, is that really going to happen? I mean, I'll say it onside because it's possible, and you know how much money these teams throw at these 
world class players, but I don't know if they could afford. You could probably see one or two going. Probably the latter. Pogba could you and Ericsson. Va- could you imagine Van Dyke's feet? Like, what would he cost? Yeah, he, he's at least doubled in price. <laughs> yeah, since absolutely. Well, if Maguire's eighty mil, if he's he Van Dyke, like one hundred yeah. fifty, yeah. hundred fifty yeah. mil for a centre back. No, I just I reckon more quality is coming to the league than is leaving. I'd yeah. say. I would have liked to have seen the likes of like Bruno yeah. Fernandes come, but there's still time for that next transfer yeah, yeah. window. Plenty of time. If yeah. United get off their ass. <laughs> but anyway, Woody, i got one for you, big fella. Eden Hazard is enjoying life in Madrid. Mate, large onside there. Very large onside, as was Hazard in the preseason. Very large. Um, so, <laughs> in, in England, there are not so many fans, uh, quote unquote, from Hazard. People there like football and everyone, young people, adults, teenagers are really interested in their football, but they are not so fanatical about their teams. At at the time I was in Chelsea and we lost, we were disappointed as were the fans, but I never felt it was a disaster. I reckon that's a complete crock, mate. He (laughs) is having a pot at Chelsea so bad, so badly there, because I think he just, to be honest, you could probably see him wanting out for a lot more than what he led on to. Yeah, I reckon he gave Chelsea an extra season and he didn't necessarily have to. No. And if anything, he probably pushed his price upwards with the season he had. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I just reckon it was a bit of a harsh call to make. Oh, yeah. Mate, but you know, everything that we've seen... I don't like... The Spanish Spanish supporters are... Crazy. Crazy. But they turn on their team so quickly as well. Yeah, yeah. They'll boo. Yeah, they'll boo, they'll hiss, whatever. Like, yeah, throw, just, throw just, bananas, chairs, like it. everything. It's, yeah. it's not good culture. I don't rate it. Anyway, uh, Damon, one for you. Talking about a Spanish footballing legend, although he's not from Spain, but he was really good in Spain. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Cristiano Ronaldo is the GOAT. Mate, this debate will go down, you know, just like people will be talking about this in pubs for the rest of eternity. Messi, better Ronaldo. <laughs> Premier League nightclub enters the discussion. The, the the reason I just, you know, this has been mentioned is because of the Piers Morgan interview midweek that he had with Cristiano Ronaldo. Honestly, I thought it was like the best piece of media Ronaldo had ever done. You just saw an insight into like, he, there was a bit of humility about him, but there was also just like, you just understood his drive. It was like, you know, he'd say two or three things and you'd be like, oh, this guy's like really like, you know, passionate and loves what he does, but then the next thing would be like, I want to be number one. And like to, to have the success he's had, you have to have that mentality and like you have to be a little bit of an arrogant prick. And I'm sure on the field he would be a scary attacker to come up against well, if you were different. So like, I, look, I'm going to say onside because if I was picking a team from, you know, every single player in history, Cristiano Ronaldo would be the first player I have on my team sheet. I know it's a big call to lock that in, but I just think at 34, how can you not consider him the GOAT when he's still a Can I just a have beast? a fun fact on Cristiano Ronaldo? He is the most followed person on Instagram in the world. Do you know who's second? Premier League Heart Club. It will be if you guys find. <laughs> <laughs> but no, who, is it um, The Rock or something? No, it's actually Ariana Grande, but anyway. Oh, Damo. <laughs> Don't get him started Don't about him Ariana. Started. Speaking of getting people started. Oh, yeah. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go, boys. Woody's win. Mate, tune into the Arsenal game. Gee whiz. Absolutely set me a light, right? Arsenal's defence. What the hell is happening? We've touched on Jacques in the previous weeks, and we touched on Louise and Socrates a little bit this week as well. But all my days, you know, Emery, what the hell are you doing? Please give us some sort of explanation. Sammy, touched on it earlier. David Luiz at Chelsea. Three penalties, 160 games. 
David Luiz at Arsenal, two penalties, four games. Mate, the penalties are ridiculous. Pulled Salah's shirt, went down. Uh, clear cut as I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah. And he chopped Pereira. Mate, he left a dangling leg there for a week. It was ridiculous. <laughs> but Arsenal are yet to keep a clean sheet this season. We're lucky to win against Watford. Delafeu missed an opportunity in the 90th minute, and Decore sort of could have should have scored one on one with the keeper because Socrates pretty shit house defender actually, <laughs> mate. He was directly culpable for both goals against uh, goals against Watford and Tottenham, mate. The goal he gave away, passing out from the six yard, <laughs> passed straight to Prayer. It was a gift. Prayer walked it, walked it into the back of the net. I just could not believe it. But you know what the worst thing is. Out of the two centre-backs they play, Louise and Socrates, they're probably the worst out of the four they have to choose from. I, c- I cannot believe it. <laughs> Holding apparently has been told by Unite Emery in the last week that he won't be able to dislodge Socrates or Louise in the starting team. Although, if we look at Holding's team's holding stats from last season and then compare them to Socrates and Louise, Holding has better stats in dual win percentage, clearances per game, tackles per game, Tackle success percentage, aerial duel percentage, the passes per man. game, and has conceded the <laughs> least amount of yellow cards and fouls per game out of three. And don't even get me started on why he isn't even playing Callum Chambers. He's arguably better than all three on the pitch on presence alone, right? Let's not even get started into the stats because he dominates that area as well. Yeah. Mate, one appearance doesn't usually show the lack, the quality of a player or that lack thereof. But it is worth mentioning that Callum Chambers didn't do anything wrong in his display oh. against Newcastle. All right. And and they kept a clean sheet. Did they keep a clean sheet? 1 0 against Newcastle. Yeah. Right? He only made one tackle and managed three clearances and a block. And that's, with, that's presence. Exactly, that's mate. Presence. Even more so, is he Laporte 2.0? 88.3% passing accuracy and even contributed three long balls. For a bloke that's so young, he's absolutely showing up the three blokes that are ahead of him. And I, I can't believe why Unai Emery isn't playing him. It, it really is so frustrating from an Arsenal's Arsenal fan point of, point of view. And we see Arsenal fan TV, they are blowing up at the moment. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, oh, it's good, good, it's good, good, good After you listen to this podcast, hey, definitely go have a listen to Arsenal fan TV. I've, um, can I piggyback on the back of Woody's whip? All right, go for I've it. Got, it's not got anything to do with Arsenal, but it ha- happened during the week. And I don't know if we can call it a Sam smash or whatever, but I'm just this just really annoyed me. This is off script. This is this is off script. So I don't know if you two heard, but did you? We spoke about the Italian racism not too long ago. Yep. And this absolute turnip, Passiarani, some Italian Um, reporter. Yes, we did hear about this. This was disgusting. I just I, I thought I just wanted to. It just blows my mind that this is still happening. He quoted Lukaku, the only place you can get past him is to, and I quote, give him 10 bananas to eat on national television. It's like, he's actually since been suspended disgusting. and fired. So since being suspended and fired. But the most damning thing about that is that the views that the Italian football community seem to have around racism is just so bad and it needs to be stamped out. How can you? And it is pathetic. Just say that. And like how? FIBA need to get... Or the F, whatever the governing body of football is, they need to do something because it has to stop. It's not good enough, and I thought it needed to be mentioned. Yeah, Mate, I think we've, like we've said in the previous weeks, this stuff starts from the top. Yeah, and the Caligari fans got start, got uh, given no punishment as well. That's what I mean. That's the type of stuff I'm talking about. About the Lukaku thing. It just, it's, it's, it's almost perplexing that this guy has been fired and sacked because of the lack of action there before. 
It's so bad. Yeah, I can't believe it. It's terrible, and I just thought I needed to be mentioned. Anyway, we're probably going to end on that sour note. That's all right. We've got we're... big things coming next episode. Yeah, we have a special guest next week, don't first, we? We're the first special guest of the Premier League Night Club podcast coming on. It's going to be big. It's going to be huge. But, and you know what? The, the, I reckon the most interesting thing is a bit of cross-code action. Yeah, it's it's going to – the perspective we're going to get is going to be unreal. It's going to be really good. We can't say anything in particular. Yeah, we'll probably release it maybe in the build-up prior exactly. to the episode. But Once we get 100% confirmation. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> make sure to keep on track with the socials at twi- on Twitter at EPL Nightclub. And Insta at Premier League Nightclub. And if you make it to the end of the episode, inbox on Instagram, ask the word turnip, and you go into the draw to win. Absolutely nothing. nothing. <laughs> On that note, I'm going to go check out the FIFA 20 web app. I don't know about you boys, so I'm out of here. Let's get trading, fellas. I've banned myself from FIFA. Yeah, like that's going to stick. Give it two weeks, you'll have it. Alrighty, thank you everyone. We'll see you next week. See you guys.